and welcome to the Tapestry Podcast. My name is Chris Turner. Tapestry is the adoption and foster care ministry of Irving Bible Church in Irving, Texas. Joining me today on the podcast are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hello, Chris. How are we today? I'm fine. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm good. 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 Not too bad. Well, that's good because we're going to talk about a rather difficult subject that a lot of parents don't want to, to face when they come into learning trust-based parenting tools, and that's the tools we bring with us even if we don't realize we already have them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's go over what those tools might be. Um, most people who come from a traditional parenting background, which is pretty much all of us, you're going to come equipped with four tools, whether you know it or not. And these parenting tools tend to be reactionary in nature. They are physical punishment. Most of the time we associate that with spanking, verbal reprimand, a loss of privilege, and timeouts. So Kayla, why are these so damaging when it comes to parenting kids from hard places? Well, I think really, if you look at them, most of them are so reactionary and don't really address Um, our kids needs. We've talked a lot about needs. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't really address anything other than wanting to stop a behavior in the moment, right? Not the underlying cause of the behavior, not, um, anything else that's going on around that time period. And while yes, sometimes parenting has to be reactionary. So often it could be stopped if we just were a little more proactive Mm -hmm. in our approach to our kids. Yeah, you know the the old saying that my grandmother used to use that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. Yeah. You know, if we will just take the time to build the relationship with our children and be proactive about their needs, then I think that we will have to react. I know we'll have to react. Less. Mm. Now we will we will still have to react. And you know, one of the things that people always say to us is, "Well, is connected parenting like consequence free free parenting?" No, but it is. Um, we don't go to consequences first. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't go to DEFCON 1 when DEFCON 5 will be sufficient. Um, so, yeah, so the spanking thing, there's, there's research on that and then how, you know, people with uh, trauma pasts and altered brain development, how physical punishment actually, um, how that affects their brains. And, and you know, um, but we also, we think of spanking, but, you know, I know of some kids who in, um, in their past, they had to do the whole sort of like, you know, kind of squat stand up against the wall and, and things like that. Um, then, you know, the timeout, just think about how a, a kid from a hard place, let's, let's just say, um, let's have our example kid be a child who was abandoned. Mm-hmm. Let us tell a child who was abandoned, as soon as their behavior contravenes the laws of the house, that he needs to go and sit in his room mm-hmm. away from everybody else and think about it. Right. Now, or worse yet, when, when you can get things together, you can come be a part of the family again. Right. That's, that's what they're saying, right? My behavior now, uh, I'm being kicked out of the family again. Now, even if it is for a short period of time and they're still being kicked out of the family in the house, they're all being removed from everybody else and certainly would process that differently than a child that's not from a hard place. We're not taking the time to inform them what our expectation is of their behavior in that moment. Yeah. And so we're punishing them and not informing them of the desired result at the same time. Yeah, and I think part of those four reactions in, in parenting that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago is that a lot of time they're easy, mm-hmm. right? Verbal Absolutely. reprimand, right? I mean, yelling at a child. They're quick. 
that requires no skill or effort to scream at a seven-year-old. Well, and if our if our only goal is to change the behavior in the moment, mm-hmm. then it's going to work. Yeah. Typically, it's going to change the behavior in the moment. But in the long run, is it working? Is it actually figuring out what the underlying need for our kids is? Is it helping us form a better relationship? No. It's just changing the behavior. And hopefully, our goal as parents is not just to change behavior, but to actually train our children in right behavior, mm-hmm. right? So if we just are reacting to the bad behavior and we're not ever actually teaching them and giving them the skills to have the appropriate response in the moment, all they're learning is that they should react. They should yell at other people. They should, you know, send people away and not talk to people or whatever. I mean, that we're teaching them something. Yeah. We're just not teaching them Maybe what we want. Right. Yeah, and we may not be intentionally saying, okay, well, I want to teach you that when you get mad, you should yell at someone. Or when someone doesn't do what you want them to do, you should yell at them. But if that's what we do when our kids don't do what we want them to do is we yell at them, then we are unintentionally teaching them that that's, that's a skill we're teaching them. So instead we can take a few steps back and say, okay, what do I really want to do? I want to teach my child how to respond in that moment. And I'm going to have to teach them not in the moment when it's happening. I'm going to have to go back another time and I'm going to teach Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, I think there is no doubt that um, the children are learning to yell because we're yelling at them. The children are learning isolation because we're isolating them. And I think, you know, one of my, my favorite things that I've ever seen is the parent who is hitting their child while saying, don't hit your sibling. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the craziest thing. And again, um, you know, we've talked about this as connected parenting, trust-based parenting, uh, investment parenting. It's also intentional parenting because mm-hmm. it does require you to, um, you know, maybe we can call it repentance parenting because it does require you to do a 180, right? It does. It does. I mean, you must head the other way and you have to be intentional and you have to think about uh, about how you respond to your children in the moment. And we've always heard uh, children are sponges. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why they say, yeah, if you're a, learn a foreign language, learn it as early as possible. And yeah. That's one of the reasons why we have one of our children in a dual language program right now, because it's going to come a lot easier to him than it would to you know one of us. And so what is it we want them, like you were saying, Kayla, what is it we want to teach them? Because they're going to learn it one way or the other, because they are the sponges that we, we think they are. So it's better to spend the time now up front teaching them the things we we want them to know rather than unintentionally teaching them the things we really don't want them to know. You know I'm a big fan of quotes and so one of my favorite quotes by the great um, former Yankee Yogi Berra <laughs> is you can learn a lot by just watching. <laughs> yes, this is true. And it is very, very true for our children. They learn how to interact with their siblings, how to interact with their peers, how to interact with their parents from us. And we're deceiving ourselves if we don't um, grasp that truth. So when if my children yell at their siblings, I know it's because they watched uh, their mother and their father raise their voices to mm-hmm. them. And, you know, we've spoken about this recently. Um, you know, we can't tell the children, you need to use good words if we never use good words. Mm-hmm. We can't tell the children that you know, they can say whatever they want to as long as it's with respect. If we talk to them like they are... You know the tone of voice that parents get when they're, they're just really annoyed by their children? I think everybody's familiar with that. Yeah. It really is um, It really is convicting when you hear your children speak to their siblings with that exact tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, Kayla, in light of all that, what are some go-to tools that we can use instead of the traditional parenting tools we all come equipped with? Well, I think, you know, the first thing to do to make it less reactionary is going to be to practice some of these things outside of the moment. So, for instance, one of our kiddos um, was having a really, really hard time um, accepting no, Mm. right? We say yes a lot at our house. We say yes to so many things. I mean, we have a yes jar at our house that the kids can always get stuff out of. I mean, we try to say yes when we can. We try and be intentional about that. But sometimes we have to say no. And she needed to learn that she needed to accept no. But she was having a really hard time and was melting down and crying and screaming and just absolutely not doing what we wanted her to do, Mm. right? And there were a lot of things going on in our family at the time, and I could kind of see why she was having a struggle, but I was having trouble figuring out what to do. And then I'm like, of course, I need to practice with her. We need to practice when she's not in a bad place, when she's not having to be told no, how to accept no. Right. And so we sat down and we just played a little game. I just got some little pieces of candy and I basically said, you're going to ask me for this candy and sometimes I'm going to say yes and sometimes I'm going to say no. And when I say no, you're going to say, okay, mommy. And it was really interesting to see this little three-year-old just, she loved the game. I mean, she picked up the little, she said, mommy, may I have that piece of candy? And I said, yes, you may. And she takes it and she eats it. And then the next time she asks, I said, nope, not today. And she said, okay, mommy. And it seems really simple, but it transferred outside of the moment. Mm-hmm. So the next time I had to tell her no, and she started to melt down, I kind of caught her and I said, oh, remember, once when mommy has to say no, we say, okay, mommy. And she was able to then apply it outside of the moment. Mm-hmm. And it was so neat just to see her. We just spent a few minutes playing a simple little game. We also read this book. There's a... a wonderful author, Cindy Lee, who's written all these children's books. And we love these little kids' books because they have great little teaching tools at the beginning. And she has one called Who's the Boss? Um, No, it's not called Who's the Boss? Baby Owl. The Owl Lost His Who. Yes, yes. It's a great little story. and But basically it teaches kids who's, who's the boss. And so that's another thing that she was struggling with was was who's the boss here? You know, when I ask you to do something, she would say, no, I don't want to do that. And, and so we were struggling with that. So we did the same thing. We just practiced. We read this little book and then we talked about, oh, so who's the boss? So now outside, now in those moments, instead of getting mad at her when she's doesn't want to do what I asked, I just go, oh, who's the boss? And she remembers the little story mm-hmm. that we read and she's like, mommy's the boss. Okay. So we're going to try again. Um, and that kind of is in the moment you have to refer back to when you've taught those things mm-hmm. and they remember them and they pick it up and they start to soak it all in. We used to have a uh, babysitter. Unfortunately, she's too busy with her graduate studies now to babysit for us very much. But uh, when our youngest, who's now three and a half, um, you know, when she hit two, bedtime became a real struggle for her. And whenever we had babysitters, um, like we would be teaching and we'd get home and she'd still be awake, you know, an hour and a half after she, she should have been in bed. And then, um, and so, um, this young, this young woman was babysitting for the first time when we got home and all the children were in bed and asleep. 
And we're like, wow, how did you do that? And she said, we started practicing going to bed 30 minutes before her bedtime. Mm. So she'd, she'd gone to bed twice before she actually had to go to, to bed. bed. And it's, it, mm. it seems like such a little thing that I think sometimes we go, uh, it can't possibly work. Mm. But, you know, the sponges, the little children are, like you said, Chris, they do take those things in. And so I have not read the, um, the Who's the Boss book with her. But tonight, uh, as we were transitioning to the dinner table, she had a little bit of difficulty with that. And um, I said, who's the boss? You and mom, she <laughs> said to me and then kind of looked at me and smiled. And then we went from there. So um, they do remember. And, and then practicing outside the moment is really, really helpful because it doesn't take much. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't take you to read a book to five minutes. Yeah, not a lot of time yeah. at all. And, yes. it, and it helped. I mean, she was having a hard time with simple things like accepting no when mom said you can't go play outside. Mm. And that was causing a, you know, half hour long meltdown over not being able to go outside at that moment, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have gone from having those four five, six times a day to once every couple of days, you know, so it doesn't, it hasn't completely gone away, but this was only just a couple of weeks ago Mm. that we were like, okay, we've got to do something because these behaviors, we were getting to the point where we're like, what is going on? Why are, why are we dealing with this? And we weren't doing anything about it. We were just commiserating about it at the end of the day. Who had had the most tantrums, right? right? Um, you know, when we talk about parenting, I think we have to adjust what we think success mm-hmm. is as a parent, right? Kayla just talked about that. We've gone from three, four times a day with these, these, big, these big meltdowns from this little girl to maybe once every other day. And to me, that's success. Mm-hmm. See, because I think Absolutely. I came into parenting thinking, well, when the meltdowns are gone, stop. Right. You know, we've, su- we've succeeded. Right. But we have to recalibrate. Um, we have to recalibrate our thoughts on what uh, parenting success is because at the end of the day, that's still a three-year-old and with big emotions who gets disappointed easily over things. Um, you know, think about that. She, she wants to be a big girl, but her world is completely determined by other people. She mm-hmm. goes where other people say, say she can go. She does what other people say she can do. So um, you have to really have empathy for that situation because none of us like feeling like we don't have any power in any situation. Right. And so, we all want to say. Yeah, so sharing some power with her uh, and you know just kind of coaching her outside of the moment has been really, really revolutionary in our family and certainly in her behavior. You know, one of the other things, you know, one of the other ways to practice outside of the moment um, is to manage transitions better. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us will say to our kids, hey, um, turn the TV off, it's time for dinner. Well, if they're in the middle of something, that's pretty disappointing to them. And I don't know about you, but when I'm disappointed, I don't really hide that very well. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty open about that. You know, Chris, it's really nice of you to come and record at our house. Uh, <laughs> For those of you who hear the dog tags in the background. Um, But, you know, um, managing transitions are important because that sets our kids up for success. Yeah. When we we manage the transitions from one thing to another, because if you think about how many transitions our kids have in a day, Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got a transition from being asleep to being awake. From their bedroom to the breakfast table, from breakfast table to school or to wherever they're, you know, just doing school work or to going to school. I mean, 
finishing school to coming home. You know, I mean, just so many transitions in a day. And some of our kids don't deal very well with that. And mm-hmm. so I think if we manage the transitions um, effectively, I mean, we can do that in so many ways. We can prepare them for what's coming. We can give them some kind of a schedule so they know what's coming next. Some of the transitions are just your daily things, right? You know, you're just everyday life transitions that happen. And so just giving them a heads up if something's different from their day. You know, if you're going to pick them up from school and instead of going straight home, you're going to make a stop at the store. Well, just giving them a heads up that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they're not mm-hmm. disappointed because they were planning to play with their friends when they got home, you know. Or um, if you've got to take them, you know, to a dentist appointment, you know, preparing them for what that's going to be like, you know, so you can prepare in advance and manage that transition. We have done a lot of preparing our kids when we have to go into a store. You know, we will manage that transition from the car to the store by talking about the things that we're going to do in the store, what's appropriate, what's not. Are we going to ask for every toy in the store? Are we going to, you know, hang on the cart? Are we going to, what are we going to do? What's appropriate for us to do? And so we can talk about it and sometimes we even practice it, you know, mm-hmm. outside of the moment, you know, especially when it's big things, right? We're getting ready to take all the kids on an airplane ride. So that transition of getting onto the airplane, we're going to practice that. Right. We're going to say, okay, here's how we're going to get on the airplane. Here's where we're going to sit. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're not going to do. We're going to practice that. We're not just going to expect that in this brand new situation that our kids are just going to go, oh, well, I should know what to do on an airplane and just do it. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think you can you can manage the transitions from one thing to another. Um, you can manage them by practicing. You can manage them just even by just mentioning that they're happening. Right. Giving the kids a heads up. We have to leave in five minutes. You know, those kinds of things are helpful. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that you could be accused of by managing transitions well is you could, your kids could accuse you of being reasonable. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is about the worst thing that could happen because is it that hard for me to say, because, you know, at the end of the school day and the kids maybe play outside of their friends and they'll come inside and they'll want some screen time and they like to all be on their devices playing Minecraft in this world they've created. And so um, is it really that hard to say, hey, guys, you got five more minutes and then you have to wash up and get ready for dinner mm-hmm. as opposed to just, hey, turn those off. It's dinner time. Now, one of them only required me to say, hey, guys, dinner's going to be ready in five minutes. Um, you have to... You know, you got five minutes until you have to get ready for dinner. That's the only thing I had to do differently. But the results are, I mean, talk about a return on investment. Right. The return is so huge for such a tiny investment because it really took me five seconds to give them a heads up that we were transitioning to the next activity and that five minutes left in that activity. You know, Kayla talked about practicing boarding the aircraft. Well, that has a couple of things. Um, it reduces our stress level because they'll have some idea of what to do. I realize that our dining room chairs and you know jet seats look different, but <laughs> they'll, have, they'll have some idea of what to expect. But the other thing is it really reduces the anxiety. We've got a couple of our kiddos that told us yesterday, we're, we're kind of, you know, one who's never been in an airplane before, um, that she was just really kind of had some anxiety about that. Well, if she goes knows the drill, that helps reduce her anxiety because she, to some degree she's seen that before. And, again, at the end of the day, the worst thing that's going to happen there is somebody might accuse you of being reasonable. 
Yeah, I know managing transitions was a, a huge thing for us with one of our boys because it, it used to be when he was younger, we would have big meltdowns when we just kind of sprung those transitions on them. Hey, buddy, it's time to go. Ah. But now, like you mentioned earlier, right, if you can just you know, let them know a few minutes ahead of time. Hey, you get 50 more minutes and then we have to go. It makes breaking away when you have to break away a lot easier to do. Yeah, think Absolutely. Of, yeah, think about the difference of uh, get your shoes on. We're leaving in five minutes to get your shoes on. We're leaving because I know that we used to do the get your shoes on. You're leaving. Mm. And it took everybody 30 minutes to find their shoes. We right. have a basket of shoes at our front door. Um, and still it would take 30 minutes to find the shoes. But now if you give them the heads up, it seems like it takes us less than 30 minutes to get out of the door <laughs> yes. now. Yes. Because it was just such a battle. Um, the shoe battle, it's it still, after all these years, kind of amazes me how long it takes people to get their shoes on. <laughs> yes, yeah. I would like to thank Ryan and Kayla for being on the podcast today. If you have a question for us that will fit into 140 characters, you may tweet it to us at tapestryibc. If you require a bit more room, you can email us at tapestry at irvingbible.org. You can also find us on Facebook at tapestryibc. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes just search for Tapestry Adoption Podcast. You can also subscribe from our website, tapestryministry.org. Thank you for listening. <laughs>